When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Generation Red, the Kettle Corn of Husker Fan Podcast, where we try to be sweet, but at times we get salty. I am your host, Ken. And I am your other host, Scott. And we're here tonight to discuss and debate and look back at the craziness that was the Michigan State game. Um, (laughs) What can I say? Turnover, Spartans, and refs, oh my. That's the best way I could describe the entirety of the game because it was just crazy. It was just crazy. wasn't fun. Um, the outcome was, I don't know, for me, Scott, I don't know, just to kind of open things up before we really dive into the game. Um, as soon as I turned the TV on, got to the channel, and they switched the coverage, the first thing you see is Harburg, and he's there on the sidelines warming up. And maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but his facial expression to me looked... Not non-committal, not didn't want to be there. He just looked exhausted. He looked tired. He looked worn down. And I was like, ooh, I don't know about today. So I kind of set my mind to the idea that this may not be a good day for the Huskers, so there's really not a whole lot of reason to get too bent out of shape. And I didn't. I didn't get mad. I didn't throw nothing. I screamed a couple times, mostly because of the refs. But, uh, you know, what can you do? When When a game starts off like it did, and looks the way it's looking right from the get, you just kind of get a feeling. You just kind of get a feeling. And I had that feeling right from the start. This is not going to be a good day. Yep. That's basically how I felt. I woke up and I had a bunch of anxiety, and that only happens when we lose games, which, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like I woke up and I, t- I, d- I basically did the same thing. I turned on the TV, was just chilling in my chonies, and I just looked at the weather and the guys and I mean, everything we needed to know was in the first few drives. It was basically a, the picture was already painted. This is the way that the game was going to look like the whole time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, I should have known. I mean, after we had made our prediction last week, I kind of really sat and thought about it some more. And I'm like, I really don't, I really don't think we win this game because it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true that we win three games in a row and then we go into Michigan State when they're downtrodden. They've lost so many games mm-hmm. in a row since Tucker was fired. Um, they're winless since Tucker was fired. It's like we're just we're just set up. We're set up for a bad game, a bad day, and that's basically what we saw. Um, but I should have went with my gut because I was sitting there thinking, I really think that the score that I predicted is actually flipped now. Um, I think I predicted what seventeen, fourteen, nineteen, something, something. like that. Yeah. Something like that. So I was like, I just wanted to flip it. I was like, I think, I just think, I think we find a way to snatch. Well, no, we didn't even snatch, you know, 
We didn't drop it at the end. It just was. It was was just constant. Really. Yeah, we 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 got behind the eight ball too too early in the game, and uh, I don't know. I mean, even when we took the lead seven to three, I was like, uh, we'll see. It seems like the defense is a little leaky today, so we'll see. Um, now, if this was a week ago and we got up seven to three, I'd be like, "Yep, this thing's over," because the defense was just lights out against Purdue. Whereas this week, it seemed like Michigan State schemed some things that, uh, that the defense couldn't deal with. So, which kind of stunk, even though the yardage wasn't too much more than what you know they only ended up with maybe just over a hundred yards more than Purdue ended up for the whole game last week. So it wasn't like it was a offensive domination it was just enough they did just enough to get the win so yeah um before we dive into the game itself let's take a look at just uh i thought this this slide popped up as soon uh as soon as the game was over this was one of the first things i saw on twitter as i was scrolling because i kind of tried to stay off of twitter for most of the game and uh i thought this was poignant michigan state fan has a mike sadler jersey and a Sam Fultz shirt draped over the railing at Spartan Stadium. Nebraska and MSU will be forever linked by these two. Hashtag SF27, hashtag Huskers. So I thought that was a good move by the Michigan State fan. Thank you to whoever that random fan is. Maybe it's a relative of either one of those guys. And uh, God bless them both. We'll miss them. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I thought it was yeah. pretty cool. Saw it on I Twitter as well. Neat. For sure. And Robin Washett's a pretty good follow. He does some good stuff on the Huskers. So at Robin Washett, if you want to follow him. Um, so let's see here. Next slide, I guess. Yeah, I'm just having a fun day with slides already. There we go. So officially, we are now in the game recap. That's probably why I put that spacer slide in there. Interesting couple of tidbits here is that Nebraska had three turnovers on on the day, and for the first time, as far as I can remember from the season, it's the first time the opposing team did not score some points off of one of our turnovers for the entirety of the game. So that's a good thing, but still, three t- turnovers is bad. Uh, killed some drives that Nebraska was moving the ball on, especially that first INT. Um, Michigan State had a total of 12 tackles for loss, including eight sacks on Harburg. NU had a total of seven tackles for loss, including three sacks. And Billy Kemp the fourth returned to the lineup to secure punts, which resulted in multiple drives beginning inside the 15-yard line. Thanks, Billy. At least we didn't fumble them, right? <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Any thoughts on, on those little side notes? before we dive into the stats on the game? I guess I never realized that our, our turnovers didn't lead directly to points. Um, but, I mean, regardless of it not leading directly to points, it always flipped fields, snatched, mm-hmm. it like took the wind out of our sails each time. And, yeah, it it's just... I mean, yeah, of course there's eight sacks for the Michigan defense. I mean, seriously... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many plays, dude, that I was watching that, like, there was a pocket. There was no reason for mm-hmm. Harburg to go to panic mode ever. Like, half of the times he scrambled out, he was in a perfect pocket. Like, our offensive line was doing yeah. him more favors than, I mean, our offensive line was playing a really good game. Harburg just didn't know how to deal with it. I just, ooh, so it's like eight sacks should have been 
maybe cut in half, maybe even better than that. If Harburg sat in the pocket, went through his progressions. I mean, dude, I think the part that was most frustrating to me watching it was just like, he's open. He's open. Our wide receivers were open all game. If we had even a D plus quarterback. Yeah. And it, it also didn't help that, um, that there were definitely throws that our guys keep dropping that one on specifically drops, no doubt about it. But the, the interceptions were just bad throws and he's made numerous ones of those. And today they, or yesterday they really kind of came back to bite us. There was probably at least two more they could have picked, but they didn't. So we'd been living on borrowed time. If you will, we talked about a couple weeks ago when we did our stream, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. In fact, we talked about it last week when, uh, Husker army was in studio here and it's like, when's the next, when's the day going to come when the defense can't get it done when the offense is struggling? Turned out it was Saturday, uh, although they exactly did only hold them to 20 points. So if we had any semblance of an offense, um, we'd have been okay. But anyway, uh, let's get, let's just do the viewer poll real quick. I screwed up. I did not let the poll go long enough, so it actually completed, so you can't vote during the show. For anybody who's watching or listening, uh, listeners, you obviously can't vote in the poll because it's over. But here's what the poll was. After the disappointing loss to the Spartans, which of three th- these three games will the Huskers most likely win to get bowl eligible? Maryland, Wisconsin, or Iowa? And Maryland ran away with it. 66.3% of the 395 votes, which is a pretty good vote total for one of our polls, uh, said Maryland was going to win. 23.3 said it was the we were going to beat Iowa, not Maryland was going to win, but we were going to beat Maryland. And 10.4% said at Wisconsin. I don't know. Wisconsin just lost to Indiana. So the entire Big Ten West is kind of a crap show. It, it really, it's just, no, yeah. you win the division. No, 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 you win the division. No, here, you win the division. And neither one of them wants to do it. It's like a winning the division is like a hot potato game. Nobody wants to hold on to that thing for very long. <laughs> it's like so, it's like that's just fumbling. That's all it is. We're all fumbling. Like yep. Nebraska's fumbling at a literal, at a literal, literal in a literal sense. But like, man, I mean, uh, looking at that, I mean, I understand why people think Maryland because when you think of brand name, you think okay, Maryland is the least dominant brand. You know, they don't they don't have much of a presence and whatnot, but. I mean, come on, guys. Like, if Michigan State, a team that before going into that game had a worse total offense than we did, were able to do what they did to our defense, I mean, mm-hmm. are they, could they potentially bounce back next week? Sure. They're going to be playing at home. They're going to, you know, if, if rules, you know, the coach that we think he is, I think he's going to, I think he's going to pick these guys up and build them back up from that um, character building loss. Um, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily see that being our most easy win left on the schedule anymore. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think that, that was a, that, that's a hard choice. That's a really hard choice because all three of the teams possess wildly different traits. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah, so 
Moving into the kind of looking back and recapping the game and getting to, into some of the minutiae, obviously, Sparty beats the Huskers 20-17. to 17. And uh, there's a few stats I threw up here. I, I didn't get quite as extensive as I, I had been getting, just so we'd have a little bit more room for discussion. Um, so first of all, here are the team stats. If you look at those on any given day and you go, wow, they beat them on first downs by eight. I mean, Nebraska had a bunch of three and outs on defense in the second half. There was like three in a row in the fourth quarter. It was crazy how well they played toward the end to give the offense the ball back constantly. Um, Total yards was not much different. Nebraska had 277. Michigan State had 295. 19 first downs for Nebraska, 11 for Michigan State. Um, Passing yards were where the biggest differential is in that Michigan State did throw for 232 yards on 15 for 24 and completions to attempts. Nebraska was under 50%. So <laughs> shocker. 12 of 28, which was probably 10 more passes than what Satterfield probably wanted to throw uh, for 129 yards. They averaged 9.7 yards per pass, whereas Nebraska averaged 4.8. Rushing Nebraska again got somebody down to under 100 yards rushing. Only allowed them 63 total yards, and Nebraska had 148. Still trying to figure out why the blazes we didn't run more in the beginning of that third quarter when it looked like that middle of the line was still pretty open. They were still making some holes, and Johnson and company were having some success. I'm just baffled that we didn't see any more rushes up the middle. Um, the penalties is what throws me. I think we had one for five yards at one point, but maybe because it was an offsetting penalty, it was offsetting. It credited, credited. So seven for 70 for Michigan State and zero penalties for zero yards. Now, if you're not having any penalties for any yards, you're playing that disciplined brand of football, you should win. <laughs> nope. Um, Three turnovers for Nebraska, again, as we said earlier in the show, resulting in absolutely no points uh, for Michigan State. So they didn't, quote-unquote, hurt us, except for the fact that it stopped drives. Um, We lost one fumble. We threw two interceptions. Nebraska did have a three-minute advantage on time of possession. Um, I don't know what to tell you other than, you know... there really isn't much difference between the two. We dominated them in first downs. We we were more efficient on third down. Everything indicates that Nebraska should win this game, except we're negative in the turnover margin. But for once, the turnovers did not result in points for the opposition. So why the hell did we lose? Well, we just didn't play well enough on offense. Even though the stats show we played almost as good as they did. Right, I mean, it was a balanced mm-hmm. offense, 128 passing yards to 148 rushing. You would think we would have figured out how to win the game, but they made some big plays on third down, which we'll go through some of the key plays here in a little bit. But looking at that, your first thoughts are? I mean, honestly, it's just the, it's the whole like rushing, passing yards. I mean, you got turnovers, Penalties. I mean, yes, there was some egregious calls on mm-hmm. the ref's part. And I know that there's basically a 50-50 split in Husker Nation that there's one half that thinks that if if the refing game was better, we win. And then there's the other half. I'm on the other side. I don't I don't think that those things 
really make that much of a difference because those were literally the only opportunities that we were attempting to seize. When it's like, well, what about literally all of the other open receivers throughout the entire game? And like you said, Marcus Satterfield just, no pun intended, running away from our rushing game. And I I mean, I, I just look at it from like, well, just how about you guys like play good football and those really shitty penalties can just be a, a thing of the past that you look at and be like, yeah, that was egregious, but at least we did everything else right. And that didn't mm-hmm. cost us the game. Cause mm-hmm. if we did everything else, right. Or even half of our stuff, right. If we, if we were good on the running game and Harburg could figure out how to read a progression, one of those two things win us the game. Like yeah. there's, there's no doubt in my mind penalties yeah. and like, what I mean, you can look at it from both sides. The refs were awful, but they is it did we play a really, really good game, or were they just that incompetent that they never saw any of the crazy stuff we were doing? And it's like, no. I just I don't know, man. It's just well, it was one of those it was one of those games that there wasn't ever a single moment that I felt like we had even a chance to win. I was like, this is just gonna be one of those games that's gonna go right down to the end. And there's going to be multiple moments where we get hope and they're never going to come to fruition. And that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? That's about as good as anybody could say it. There's really not much to add. I, I completely agree with everything you're saying there. Um, so let's move on to the next slide is uh, the individual offensive leaders uh, for both teams. As you can see, Hauser and Harburg weren't a whole lot different. Hauser was a little bit more efficient with the ball. Um, we ran the ball slightly better. Uh, I just, Again, another thing that I struggle with is the fact that we're not letting a dude get some kind of momentum. Whoever is running the ball well, we're not continuously feeding them. I understand preserving dudes. I understand keeping people healthy, but I don't know, man. It, it seems like... Modern day college football coaches are deathly afraid of letting a running back really get some momentum in a game. And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why. Because I think it's pretty clear, at least in my in my viewpoint, my very um limited viewpoint as someone who's never played or coached, but man, Emmett Johnson looks good. He looks like he's the part. He looks like the type that can be a game breaker. He was this close to busting a few runs. And why we didn't feed him the ball at least five or six more times to see if one of those runs would bust, I'll never know. Other than getting down. But we weren't down by more than 10 points ever. So why not? And it's like, yeah, exactly. I mean, I understand the whole concept of like, okay, you're down and we're a lower scoring margin team. So 10 points is more like 20 points for a regular team. So it's like, oh, we got to pass. And it's like, yeah, but like, what? What on our offense can we look at and say that there is a semblance, a tinge of success? It has been in our running game. Yep. I mean, it hasn't looked great, but if I look in a spot and go, where's the place where we have the highest probability of success? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a strictly running game. Like, that's just mm-hmm. what it's going to be. And it's like, it's like Marcus Satterfield is stuck in this mindset that, 
because his passing game is not reliable, that means that third down is unreliable. So somehow that means that you don't rush your guy to get three yards here and four yards there because, well, now it's third and three. And do I run him or do I do I do a, a little you know slant route? But Harburg's biggest thorn in his side is he can't read a slant route to save his life. Seems and, like it, yeah. And so it's like it's like Marcus Satterfield is trying. It seems like he's trying to play with our weaknesses, like play like with our strengths and then like trying to negate our weaknesses, but he's doing it in like literally the worst way possible, which is <laughs> oh, because because our pass game isn't very successful, I've got to rely on it. that so <laughs> much more. It. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, dude. Yeah. You know, I would rather I would rather play a game where we have 65 rush attempts between three running backs that loses okay. us a game than losing a game anyway because we can't throw the damn ball. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's so frustrating. So very frustrating. So because we aren't frustrated enough, let's go look back at some key plays. <laughs> yes. So here we go on to Michigan State's first drive. Very key play, 17-yard completion on third and three, when I think that was the very first series. Uh, it was wide open. It was wide open. I was like, oh, we're going to get off the field. This is great. And then, boom, 17-yard. And it was like, oh, it seemed like the air was let out. And then what next very next play was a 35-yard or a 46-yard pass to the 19. And that led to a 35-yard field goal. So Michigan State immediately jumps up 3 nothing. I was just happy we held them to 3. Me too. Uh, it seems like that's what we do. If you get inside the 20, you're not scoring. But by God, 25 yards and out, they can tend to complete some passes, which they do. Um, Harburg then throws an interception in the middle of the field on 3rd and 19 with Bullock wide open outside the left hash, and he throws it to the middle of the field. Announcers were like, I'm not sure if he was throwing it to that spot or what happened, but it just, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Uh, but it was caught deep enough that it seemed like it was more of a punt than anything. So, and My, of course, well, the, they didn't on that score, play, but. on that play, I mean, I saw it in slow motion and I, I think I was the first person to say it officially on Twitter. So I am clearly the, uh, the genius here. But when Harburg was, when Harburg was starting his cock back to throw, Bullock cuts to the right to get around a guy, and I think he instantly interpreted that as, okay, he's going to go post. on a post. Yeah. And so he threw it to them, because that's where exact that's exactly where he would have been if he would have gone on a true post. Because mm -hmm. um, Harburg, when it comes to him going all the way downfield, yeah, it might be a little bit left or right, but most of his problems has been either he underthrows it Actually, yeah, it's mostly he just underthrows it. He doesn't let it rip. Mm -hmm. um, he's had a few ones where he's let it rip. But so the fact that he threw it so far, like, I mean, literally 25 yards to the right. I mean, there's no way he did that on accident. I think he thought that he thought it was going to be a post. Yeah, he I thought it was going to be a post. And it's and that's once again, one of those football IQ problems it with with that we're experiencing with Harburg is like he can't do his progressions and instead of relying on his knowledge of the playbook that I understand that Bullock is doing this right now but it's not because he's trying to go on a post it's because he's trying to continue his seam route and get around the guy 
a smart quarterback can recognize that and be like, I don't care what he's doing right now. I'm going to throw it where I know his route is leading. That's what a smart quarterback does. And it's not that Harburg isn't a, can't be a smart quarterback. It's just like right now he's not, he's not playing he's like one right now. He's not playing one, playing like right. one right now. I, I'm willing. I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt that maybe, and I don't know. I haven't watched any of the post game interviews with the coaches. I don't know what any of them have said about any of these particular plays that we're covering. I I just don't know. I haven't informed myself there. I just wanted this show today to just be my reaction alone and not be necessarily informed by anything. Um, and maybe that makes me out to be an idiot, but. I am more than willing to give a benefit of the doubt to the fact that perhaps the route tree on that particular play that Alex Bullock was running was, like you said, that seam route, but he had the option to mm, run a post. Been an, yeah, one of those. Based on whether or not how the safety or the, or the corner was playing him. And when he makes that move to the inside, Harburg says, oh, he's going to the post option, and that's where he threw the ball. So maybe it was Bullock making the mistake of trying to beat the receiver by going in and then going up and Harburg misinterpreted. But to your point, that was early enough in the route that Harburg should have been able to see that Bullock was not running the post and that he should have threw that to the outside shoulder toward the sideline. And he scores. That's a touchdown. That's a if touchdown. he throws it where it needs to, where Bullock is running. Cause it's absolutely a touchdown. Um, anyway, and then yep. he does throw a beautiful throw to Fedoni later in that next drive, I believe it is, that 27-yard pass that gets down to the Michigan State 26. And then they get down inside the five, and Harburg makes that great read by not giving the ball off because he'd been giving it off on that sp- on that read option at least three or four times. He made prior a really to good read there. He made a great read and just basically hop, skip, and a jump into the end zone. So he did do some things well. He did other things this is like I was. I, I think I was going to say yeah, this earlier, and I'll, I'll just kind of say this now. This staff seems to prioritize development over "quote unquote" a win now mentality. And while they believe they can win games through developing their players while they're on the field, I appreciate that, and I think that's what they're really trying to do with Harburg. At least that's how I'm going to excuse it. Hey, we're going to let him chuck it 28 times today and see if we can get him develop that passing game against a defense that up until. Saturday was not really good against pass. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how things go from there. So next slide. We've got a few more plays here. Of course, it would be the former Husky Husker Alante Brown that on a trick play competes a, completes a perfect drop it right in the bread basket, 42 yard pass down the field. I think Alante was a quarterback in a past life. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he was. He was. Gets down to the 12 yard line. You're thinking, oh God, here we go again. And they did well to stop them, but it was one of those few times that somebody scores against us in the red zone. There was a nice 11 yard touchdown pass to Fitzpatrick from Hauser, 10 to seven Michigan state. Um, Wait, wasn't that the, wasn't that the one that he shouldn't have got? That was the one that the ball hit the ground. I think. No, that was a later one. That's the one that in was the, the later fourth, one, the third quarter her third or fourth quarter. I think it was the fourth quarter that caught and it looked like it hit the ground. Yeah. This one was pretty clean. This one was absolutely clean. But then Nebraska goes on a nice 12-play, 74-yard drive where, Nebraska, where Alvana hits 24-yard field goal at the end of the first half, uh, ties it up at 10-10. to 10. I was feeling okay. I was thinking, well, maybe there's going to be some adjustments on defense. And for the most part, I mean, hey, if you hold somebody was, to 20 points, you should win a football game. 
You really should in the Big Ten if you hold somebody to twenty. But I, the so yeah, I'd say that the only time in the game where I felt like there might be a potential for a turnaround was yeah at halftime because I was sitting there thinking okay. There has to be something that our coaches can say that can get these guys back on track and lock them in. And yep. Yeah, we just didn't see it, but that was that was the moment. That was the moment in the game where I was like, or I guess not game. I was sitting there on my couch. I'm like, I wonder if they can do some adjustments. Let's see. Let's see. Unfortunately, <laughs> I I think they attempted to make adjustments because our schemes changed a little bit. Obviously, our defense did get locked down a lot better in the second half. Mm-hmm. But they still scored ten more points in the second yeah. half, so that's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was it was something else. And then they go on a twelve play after we basically three and out in our first se- series in the second half. Uh, they go on a twelve play, fifty three yard drive that consumes six and a half minutes of the third quarter and ends with a fifty yard field goal. So it's thirteen to ten, Michigan State at this point. Um, and then wasn't too long after that. We go three and out, I believe it is, and we're inside our 10, and Bushini barely gets it out to our 38-yard line on his punt, which he's really he really struggled yesterday. He struggled did. big time. Now, I don't remember because I wasn't paying, quote-unquote, uber close attention to the game. I was kind of, I think I was eating some lunch um, that I had made during halftime when Levitt came in at quarterback and threw that 25-yard TD pass to Foster. Um so I'm not sure why they replaced the quarterback if if the other guy got banged up for a play or two and they had to bring Levitt in for a bit. But uh, that one was under review because that's the one we were talking about where it hit the ground. Um, and it was obvious to everybody in the announcer's booth. It was obvious to Dean Blandino, the guy that's the former ref that's also a review expert for FS1. He says this should be overturned. <laughs> As only would happen in a Nebraska game. The official comes out and says, after further review, the play, and he pauses dramatically, stands. And I'm like, holy shit. He dangled that carrot out for us and then incredibly quickly snatched it right away. It was like it was almost like he was trying to make up his mind what he decided after he came out from under the hood from watching the play. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think if I were to guess what it was, was that he was having some mic issues when he first came out on the field. And so I think he was getting some feedback because if you watch it, it's like uh, uh, it, but the play on yeah. the field stands like he was like, am I going to get to say what I'm saying? <laughs> back, uh, so, yeah, if you watch it again, you, I think that's all it was, was that he was just like kind of bamboozled by by yeah. his. He has PA, his PA microphone, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it was, it was a dramatic pause. I was like, you bitch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, that, that was, was cool. that was egregious. It was so that cool. was egregious. You but, know, it's uh, egregious when the, I, I don't know if you were one of the people who turned off the announcers, they were cancerous. They were awful. Yeah. I mean, he always is. I don't know what that guy's name is, but anytime he's announcing a game, I want to freaking throw myself out off of a very tall building brando is 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 a former sec guy he used to call a lot of sec games for cbs moves to fox and i remember it as clear as a bell the day that nebraska was supposed to play akron i'm watching the tv coverage and brando makes the grandiose statement before the game that nebraska hiring scott frost will be the most transformative hire in college football since alabama hired nick saban Oh, yep. I remember and I was that. like, oh, thanks. It was Tim. the same guy. 
<laughs> Thanks, Brando. We're screwed now. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, he just uh, loves he loves sending into the universe karma. Like not karma, <laughs> but like jinx. Like yeah. he's sitting there and saying over a dozen times. These teams are notorious for turnovers that ruin their game. It's just a matter of who's going to do it first. It sure and, enough, every time. And it, it's just like, dude, shut your fat face. I don't want to hear you talking um, all about our woes, like, and constantly reminding us that, like, hey, this is a game where Nebraska are. can be can be bowl eligible. Blah blah blah. It's like, dude, shut oh. up. Shut yeah. up. Find something more robust to talk about. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, and then, of course, one of the next drives at Nebraska, I think it was a couple drives later, uh, Billy Kemp receives a punt inside the 10-yard line. I'm like, here we go again. And Harburg throws an absolute dime to Coleman, gets out from under our goalposts, um, drives all the way out to its 47, and that's when Harburg throws that second interception that was way over Fedoni's head. If it's not over Fedoni's head, if it's if it's on target, we're in the end zone. I think I think Fedoni scores on that play because he was wide open. Absolutely yep. wide open. He's fast. He runs like a receiver. So And he'll truck um, you over. He'll truck a cornerback over easily. Both interceptions should have been scoring plays. Both of them. So Harbor gets those balls where they need be, need to be. And this is a what, twenty seven to twenty win, probably. So yeah. um and then on the next drive, he scrambles 43 yards down to the Michigan State four. Uh, and then Johnson runs in for a touchdown, 20 to 17. Uh, Nebraska, I have it, 20 to 17 MSU on the fly, slide because, uh, or no, 2017 MSU. That's right. They yep. were a 2010 at that point. Man, what can I say? I'm willing a victory. I want a victory so bad, damn it. And then we force a three and out, and Harburg fumbles on our next possession. And I believe that was he fumbled right after that non-call of pass interference on on coleman happened too so um because that would not have been a fumble either yeah his arm was moving forward so um and that prompted (laughs) one of my favorite guys to listen to on herd at sports ravi lula (laughs) this is about as right as he could have been Played like Harburg, played like deep fried ass. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what deep fried ass looks like, but it's got to be ugly because that was some pretty ugly quarterbacking yesterday. So, um, indeed. So then after that, and then uh, this is just the last few plays. Michigan State misses another field goal after the fumble. So it's still 20 to 17. Nebraska's got 43 seconds left in the game. Harburg hits Coleman for 10 yards and a first down, but they somehow mark it only as a nine-yard gain, so the clock doesn't stop. And then after a penalty, offsetting penalties, Nebraska's given a first and 10. Harburg is hit while he's in the throwing motion. It's ruled as a fumble, so the clock continues to run, and then Harburg tries to throw one more pass. It's incomplete, and that's the end of the game. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> It was what it was. So here we go. Uh, another another tweet that I grabbed because I thought it was great last night from the Huskies, at Huskies, one of the best follows on Twitter if you guys can follow them. Um, can we get Dan Dean Blandino in the ears of these refs in real time, by the way? Uh, that's not a touchdown. Refs, touchdown. That's a pass interference. Refs, nah, I don't know. That's an incomplete pass. Hands going forward. That's the rules. Refs, yeah, we're sorry. We're just going to end this shit show here. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's exactly kind of how it felt watching because Blandina was all over it. 
all day. He's like, Hey, come on, that's interference. I don't know how they don't, I don't know how they keep the flag in their pocket. You know, face I mean, mask, face mask, standing facing, literally staring right at him yep. when his head jerks to the side and is like, Oh, right. I don't see yep. anything. Yep. I see nothing. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, players of the game. I think of these were these the ones. Yeah, I picked the players of the game. You've got the players for the watch when we do the preview. So yeah. I picked uh, the quarterback for Michigan State, Caden Hauser, 13 for 20, very efficient, 165 yards and a touchdown. And then on defense, I just picked the whole defense. Holy smokes. Uh, these guys are just incredible. They played so well. 65 tackles, 35 of them solo, seven sacks, 12 tackles for loss. I said eight sacks earlier. I was mistaken. On another slide, uh, six passes were knocked down, two interceptions, one fumble recovery, and 20 different Michigan State defenders registered a tackle. For a team that had played crap defense for a few weeks in a row, uh, I believe six uh, in their losses, in their six losses, they sure played lights out yesterday. Go figure. Why wouldn't Nebraska be the get-right game for somebody, right? It seems to always be that way anyway. And then I've got Thomas Fedoni. On offense for Nebraska, three receptions, 43 yards, 14.3 yards average per catch in a long of 27. And then linebacker Luke Reimer was my defender of the week. Seven tackles, two of them solo, one tackle for loss, and half a sack. So there you go. Those are your players of the game. Any thoughts on those? And Because we're about done with the recap, we can move on to hopefully what will be a win next week. I like Thomas Fedoni. I think that's kind of a... I think that's kind of a kind of an underrated performance from him. I think he would have had a much better game if like like we said if Harburg would have landed with him and I mean he was open multiple times. He he and Jalen Lloyd, he and Jalen Lloyd were open so many times. It was crazy. I mean honestly, no, I don't want to say so many times. I'm assuming so many times there's at least 3 3 plays I can think of where Thomas Fedoni was open and you know, he's his second dude in his progression almost yep. every single time. It's like, I, I don't know, whatever. I, anyway, good choice. Very good choice. <laughs> All righty. So, let's see here. Good afternoon, gents. I hope Thomas gets the ball more this coming Saturday. That's from Big Red Smoke, who's watching us on YouTube. Thank you, BRS. We appreciate the comment. We appreciate we you watching. Uh, and all of you guys, thank you for watching tonight. Uh, anybody who's listening to this after the fact, thank you for listening and downloading the show. We truly appreciate it. Just a quick reminder, since moving to Herd at Sports, uh, our podcast, for some reason, lost connection with some of our Apple podcast listeners. So if you're watching this um, and you happen to be subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts, you don't know why you're getting these newer shows, just unsubscribe and then do another search for generation red and resubscribe and you should be getting a new material. So there you go. Um, <laughs> what's the next slide? Oh, we're going to do the old preview. It's time to preview time to preview time to preview yeah. Maryland game 10. Can you believe we're on game 10 already? How fast it takes so long for the season to get here. And then the season goes like that. You're like, oh, crap. No more football. But we at least have three more to go. And uh, Nebraska has three shots at getting bowl eligible, as we all know oh so well. Um, or they'll be in Memorial Stadium on November 11th at 2023 at 11 a.m. Central Time TV. You, it is streaming only on the cock. 
<laughs> as as Jeffrey the Greek and uh, Jeffrey or uh, J W Eggleston on the uh, Big Eyes on Big podcast have deemed it the cock, <laughs> and they said it basically streams that way. So however you want to put it. Uh, but yeah, Peacock, if you have Peacock or if you don't, it's like a $6 subscription to be able to watch the game. It's certainly worthwhile. And Hey, if you're an office fan, you can watch every single episode of the office, including the super fan episodes, which is right up my alley. So I love having the cock in my life. Uh, so to speak, something like that. Um, <laughs> that was so bad. So bad. So, so good bad. though. So worth it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Anyway, there we go. I did not do the typical really long list of stats. God, I just grabbed kind of the most important ones to me, which is total offense, total defense, and how both teams perform yeah. on third down on both sides of the ball. And then turnover margin, which is going to say a lot. They're, they're, they're plus, you know, they, they're plus one on the turnover side. We're negative 12. So huh, that's going to determine a lot how they're plus one. With as much as I know, Talia's only thrown seven INTs this year. Last year, I think he threw quite a few more. So he's definitely gotten better. But there you go. There's the rankings. Um, five and four overall is what both teams are five and four overall. The difference is Maryland is two and four in the Big Ten because they're in the Big Ten East, and Nebraska's three and three in the Big Ten West. Um, their total offense is 300, about 398 yards in game, which is third in the Big Ten, 58th in the country. Whereas Nebraska's 317 yards per game is good for 10th in the Big Ten and 115th in the NCAA. Woohoo, that bodes well. Uh, third down, they're second in the Big Ten in conversion rate at 44.4%, which is 29th in the NCAA. And Nebraska's not too far behind, seventh in the Big Ten at 37.7%. And 80th in the NCAA. That's not a bad third down percentage. Rate. It's middle of the road. It's better than what I expected to see after yesterday, to be honest with you. Um, total defense, they're 10th in the Big Ten and 44th in the country at 347.6 yards per game that their defense is giving up. Nebraska is 15th in the Big Ten at 298.3 yards, and six, which is good for 16th in the NCAA. Third downs, um, that's where Nebraska might have a little bit of push. Maybe both teams will be pretty decent on third down because they're ranked basically the same in the Big Ten. 34.71% uh, of the time, Maryland is giving it up on third down. So they're sixth in the Big Ten, 34th in the country. Nebraska at 34.8% is just behind them at seventh in the Big Ten and 35th in the country. And like we said, turnover margin, they're plus one. So they're sixth in the Big Ten, 58th in the country, whereas Nebraska is 14 in the Big Ten at minus 12, which is 131st in the country. That's two spots above dead last. So if there's a key to the game, I think we know what it is, even though I didn't actually list it on a slide. But turnovers is going to be, I think both of us would agree, without a doubt, Turnovers is number one. Nebraska's got to fix the turnover problem, at least end up even on the turnover sheet or even between touchdown and interception ratio for Harburg. You know, you kind of mentioned that earlier in the text. So, yep. So there we go. There's the keys to victory. I've got pass defense is, is for me the key because you mentioned defense and I'd, I'd been thinking that way myself. And you is, 52nd against the pass, and Maryland is 27th in pass offense in the country at 281 yards per game average. 
So we need to limit the big third and long conversions, especially through the air. I'm not worried about us giving up a long third down run. Just not. We haven't done it. So um, anyway, that's my keys to victory. Yours, your key specifically is the running game. Yeah, kind of like what I alluded to earlier that whatever it is that they're scheming up, it just isn't working. Um, Mm -hmm. Now I get it. It's difficult to teach these guys in one week, a whole new scheme and all that stuff. But I mean, you really don't have to go that far other than just accepting the fact that you're going to be predictable. I mean, we're already predictable Yeah. by default, super predictable. What are we going to do? Probably give you the ball back and we're probably not going to make very many good throws you the the likelihood that if you're a defender and you let a wide receiver get open there's like a 10 percent chance that that a uh, harburg will actually find the open guy so who really cares and so they can sell out to the run and so let's just hedge our bets just run the damn ball yeah. i know it's like such a cliche but it's like what else are we gonna do what what are we gonna do at this point it's like the definition of insanity we have now put harburg in like half a dozen situations where it's like, Hey, just Mm -hmm. uh, throw the ball 28 times a game. Let's see if it (laughs) works this time. And it's like, no, it's not going to work this time. Be predictable, Mm -hmm. be predictable, run the, run the ball, give, give it to Emma Johnson. I mean, yes, of course we want to get some rhythm, but if you're going to, if you're going to swap out between he and Anthony Grant, then just do it. Mm-hmm. And if that means that we get to third down and it's, you know, only third or it's third and six because our first two runs were not very successful, run it again. Yeah, sure. If if you if our defense totally. is truly the defense that we all think it is, I would rather have a three and out because we attempted to run all three times than going halfway down the field just to turn it over anyway. It's like I get it. It, the defense gets more of a rest in that other in that other uh, in right. that other way, but it's like just run the ball. I, I mean, it's re- really what is that? What what are we going to lose? Like, what's there to lose here? I don't do know. Do what we do best. Do what we do best, and maybe that sets up that belly option pass, and that Harburg can hit again. It's one of those fast guys, one of those fast young guys who are getting some incredibly valuable experience. Um, there, there's a plus to as painful as yesterday was. Cause I, like you said, we saw guys open that just happened to drop the ball. Maybe they make those catches this week. Maybe we see a different outcome. So there's a lot of young guys playing, a lot of young guys contributing and dudes making a difference. I mean, it's, it's, it'll be fun this week. I hope, I hope, I hope. Um, so your players to watch, I, I love the ones you came up with. So why don't you go ahead and, uh, <laughs> while I remember to put the slide up so you can, <laughs> remember what you said but you've yeah. got it on the text so there you go so on Maryland's side of course I've got Tulia Tagovailoa um he's a good quarterback I mean yep. he completes two-thirds of his passes mm-hmm. his touchdown to interception ratio is three to one he's been sacked 20 times okay but mm-hmm. his quarterback rating is still an insane insanely high quarterback yeah. rating he's an incredibly efficient quarterback those 20 sacks are exactly what I wanted to see because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, if if people have been getting pressure on him, then that means we can too because we've been doing it the whole season. So yep. can we limit Tug of Viola's efficiency? I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. Let's make him make some mistakes. He's clearly been turnover prone in the past, so I don't know if something in the offseason just suddenly fixed it or something, or he's just been skating by. I haven't watched every game. Maybe he's gotten lucky. Maybe there's been you know multiple you know kind of like how it was like from Jeff Sims to to Harburg. Like Harburg should have been a turnover machine too. He just was on the other side of the coin every time. Maybe that's what we need to get with Tug of Viola. Um, but then that puts, uh, on, on Maryland's defense, I picked Ruben Hippolyte, um, the second. And the reason why I did, he's, he's only the third leading tackler on, on their defense, but he seems to be from what I can tell on Reddit and on Twitter and whatnot, he seems to be the guy on defense. He's their guy. Um, He's very efficient at putting pressure when they when they call blitzes, and he's just kind of one of those guys that's just all over the place. And so what is he going to do to us? I don't know. I think that the, the hardest, honestly, dude, the hardest part about picking this was that Michigan's defense, Michigan, Michigan Maryland's defense, statistically, dis- distribution-wise, looks a lot like ours. Um, they just haven't had as much success. What I mean is just like the amount of shared work that they've put in in their defense. It, it it you can't really put it on any one guy. They they all just seem to bear the weight of the defensive responsibilities collectively, which is a good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just Hippolyte is the guy. He is the guy, and so can we frustrate him? Can our tight ends going on blocking routes, can we just pick him up and knock him to the ground and just really be physical? Because I think that's what we've seen on Michigan Michigan State's defense and Purdue's defense is that their defenses were getting frustrated because our guys are incredibly physical on offense. So can we get in that guy's head? I don't know. <laughs> but on offense, I've got, uh, I've got Emmett Johnson. Obviously, I just went on my little tirade earlier. Rely on the running game, guys. Give it to Emmett Johnson. Give him a 100-yard game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but between, I would love to see between him and Anthony Grant, a buck 75 between the two. That would be great. Um, and then, of course, you can't go wrong with looking at Isaac Gifford. He, I mean, he's the rover, so he's obviously mm-hmm. all over the place anyway by definition. But dude is just a dog. So can he have a good game? Can he be the guy? that prevents Tug of Viola's efficiency on those slant routes and those short little cut routes. Right. Cause that's, that's a lot of that. I mean, if there's a dink and dunk offense, it's, it's Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. So for sure. What is he going to do? Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I love this. This, I just threw it out in the chat. If anybody in the chat had any ideas of players that they're looking for and big red smoke jumped in and said, polar bear to hopefully force a bad decision making on the Maryland QB. Um, he's only thrown seven picks, one to one to three touchdown to interception ratio. So uh, it's hard to make him bait him into bad throws. At least that's what's shown. Um, and then I love what B- Moonbot said, Emmett, like you did. And then Hill for the Huskers in the, in the secondary he got picked on a little bit on Saturday, he got picked on a little bit. So it'd be nice to see him have a good, a good bounce back. Uh, yeah. And Who's who's gonna be filling in for who's filling in for Hartzog right now? I can't remember who who filled in for him after he got injured. I'd have to look that up. Good question. Very good. I did not realize he got hurt. So um Yeah, didn't he get hurt? Is that who I'm thinking of? 
I'm pretty sure that's who got hurt. Anyway, I, I didn't. I didn't someone will, someone will correct us. So yeah, if anybody knows who, if Hartsog went out with something I didn't happen to notice, shows you how closely I was paying attention in that, that second half. Yeah, <laughs> kind of disassociation mode. I really in. was. I was kind of checked out, trying to keep my emotions in check and, you know, keep my voice from being all scratchy like it is most weeks when I do the show. So um, interesting. I love your picks, number one, because I think... I think you broke down their linebacker really, really well. I think, he, like you said, I think he's the man on that defense. He's kind of the spiritual leader, if you will, of the, of the guys on that side of the ball. And when you look at his tackles, he's only got 41 total uh, tackles, but 33 of them are by himself. That means this dude can hit people in open space, and they're generally going down. He doesn't need yeah. help. He's going to be in the right spot. So that's that's kind of the hidden uh, thing in his in his stats and the same thing for Isaac Isaac has 31 solo tackles so he's great in the open field I love the fact that he has 60 total that means he's always around the ball if somebody is putting somebody on the ground Isaac is helping he's generally there so uh, but yeah those are great choices absolutely great choices so bold prediction drop bold prediction there Scott Nebraska touchdown will it be? Is it just a random touchdown? Maybe we block a field goal again, or what do you think? What kind of touchdown do you think it'll be? No idea. It's just going to have to be on special teams because there's no way that we're going to. If I. There is no way I'm going to go into this next game and expect to see what we saw from our special teams again. Like, there's. That was such an egregious choice. I mean, I get it. I mean, you put Kemp out there simply because you know he can field the ball. There must have been something going on in practice this week with people dropping balls as the returner. And so it was like, well, we're just going to put the one guy back there who doesn't drop the balls, and he's coming off of an injury, so we can't run him. Um, Mm. But it's better than having... (laughs) better than having our guys <laughs> drop the freaking ball so yeah um yeah i just think i think we see it flipped that's that, that's the reason why it's bold prediction is cuz it's quite literally the opposite and there's there's no reason why our special teams the way that they defend the way that they go down fields the way that they block there mm-hmm. is no reason why we can't pop off a big one and potentially I mean, we're going to go into this game with Maryland being like, what are they going to be doing on special teams? I don't know. Last week was really vanilla. You know, you kind of, you could catch them with their pants down. We could start the game off. We could, we could start the game off with a, with a touchdown. That would be cool. But that's my bold prediction. It would be great to see a game opener with like a special teams touchdown. That'd be sick. But that's my bold prediction. Sure would. Sure would. Wow. My uh, computer just took a, Went crazy on me. I can't see the stream screen because it's on my TV and my TV just went blank. So hang on a second here while I get this squared away. Um, I don't know if you can advance to the next slide. There, there, maybe I'll be okay now. I've got it on the right. Yay, I can see the stream again. There you go. <laughs> Technology is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so score prediction. Well, you, you, you needed to do your bold prediction. Did I? I did not do mine, did I? Yeah, I'm yep. gonna. Mine's special teams related as well. Um, Al, I believe Tristan Alvano will nail nail a game-winning field goal from 45 plus yards out with under five minutes to play. At some point, under five minutes, maybe it's in the last two, 
Maybe it's with four and a half minutes to go and the defense has to make a stand. Uh, but I think he wins the game winner, nails the game winner, which brings me to my score prediction of 27 to 24. I think it's tight all game long, just like yesterday was. Maybe Maryland gets out to a 10-point lead at one point like Michigan State does, but Nebraska makes makes the home field work in their advantage. And it's 24-24 going into the fourth quarter, and Nebraska kicks a game winner. So that's mine. And yours is? It's going to be a loss, guys. I, I I kind of alluded to earlier in the show, if you guys weren't listening um, or weren't here, what I alluded to was the fact that this could be a get-right game, but honestly, looking at our schedule, Maryland is the toughest opponent we have. Like, is is mm-hmm. Iowa's defense phenomenal? Sure, but their offense is literally the worst offense in the NCAA. They are dead last at 131. And they've got a great defense, but we have a really awful offense. We're not, we're not any, I mean, we're better technically than Iowa, but not by much. And then when you look at Wisconsin, I mean, what can you even predict with Wisconsin? Like, like what, what can you predict? I mean, yes, like Iowa, we have kind of a chance with them. Like you've got Wisconsin, we've got kind of a chance with them. But when I look at Maryland, they have a good offense and mm-hmm. this is this is my thought is like I think I still think I still think our defense is good, but they haven't really been tested since Michigan. Mm-hmm. Period. Like Michigan State was a worse offense than we were going into that game. And so what what does that tell me? I mean, yes, did the defense have an off game? Sure, but in the second half, that the, the defense played statistically better they still ended up scoring the same points in the second half as they did in the first half so i'm looking at i'm looking at this just strictly from if our defense played really good against really bad offenses all the way up until michigan state which was also a bad offense and they fumbled that that's starting to make me believe that okay i'm back sort of more towards our defense is a mirage in some sense and if there's going to be any team left that we face for this year, Maryland is going to be the closest to capable of exploiting our offense with the dink and dunk, with just talent stacked. I mean, they're two top receivers and their tight end. They are incredibly reliable. Sure. And then they've got guys behind them. I mean, if there's going to be any game where our defense gets like truly exposed again, like we maybe saw in Michigan, maybe they just gave up, maybe it was whatever. I just, and then our defense is so inept and so incompetent and so incapable of doing anything. I mean, statistically, Maryland's defense isn't any better or any worse than than Michigan State's was. So it's like, why can I expect us to score any more than 17 points? Yes, there's ref problems and there was some th- execution problems, but what, when is that trend going to end, you know? Right. Until, until they can like, until they can do it, I, it's just like I, I really haven't seen much that makes me think that mm. we can play and compete against a competitive offense because we haven't – the two competitive offenses that I think we have played so far this year have been Colorado and Michigan. And Colorado is uh, – they're not as good as they were at the beginning of the year. They kind of caught lightning in a bottle to start. So that yeah. really just leaves Michigan. We've played terrible. Terrible mm-hmm. offenses. Um, and so just like 
I just think that we lose this game. It's going to suck. It's going to hurt even more than the last one because this is the game that everybody's expecting us to win. Um, I mean, every poll I see, I've seen like three polls of between you and other places that are asking, what do you think is the most likely game we win? Well, to get we're, us we're going to say they're going to win. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine. Um, but I guess I just don't want to get caught off guard again. I should have I should have predicted the loss last week. I knew I should have. Um, but I kind of went with my gut and or not my gut, my emotions. I should have went with my gut. Um, my gut is telling me we lose this game. And I think it's once again just a very painful loss. Um, it puts our guys right up against the ropes and mm-hmm. It's going to suck. I think it's going to suck. It's going to be an ugly game. And oh, it's going to be ugly. I, there's no, that's the one thing I can predict for sure. It's going to be an ugly, 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 absolutely fugly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have fans or butts about it. Whether it's a fug, fugly win or a fugly loss, I'm just predicting to predict. I, I have no idea what's really going to happen. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I get that. See if the, uh, the old guy at the country club is willing to let go of his ticket for Saturday. I might snag it from him. <laughs> I might have to <laughs> nice. go and see how fugly that is in person. <laughs> yes, All right. Sir. Now we'll move on to probably what I was hoping was going to be one of my favorite segments this year. But unfortunately, because nobody wants to play, we don't really have a three tweeted segment this week. Even though I do have three tweets, I'm going to share, but none of them get the jerky. We get the jerky, so there you have it. Yeah. Unless you want Scott and I to just sit here and eat the jerky all the time and laugh at y'all for not participating in three tweeted, that's fine. We'll do it. We'll be happy to, but we'd prefer to give it away. So how we do that is these are the rules, as they say. One, create a college football-related hot take tweet. Two, tag either at GenRedPod or at ScottGenRedPod in that tweet and then add the hashtag, hashtag three tweeted. Post your tweet before noon the Sunday following a Husker game, and you will be entered. And if we pick your tweet, you will get a choice of peppercorn beef or honey barbecue pork jerky from Pipeline Jerky. This wonderful, glorious stuff right here that I've been eating, uh, not during the stream. I've been a good boy, but I was eating it before. So um, there you go. So let's take a look at the treats, tweet treats, tweets that I picked. Number one, Brady Slama. Uh, whatever that means at Brady Slama tweeted, did the refs blunders cost us the game? If they get those three or four plays correct, how does it affect the outcome? All I'm getting at is the integrity of the game. There's a serious problem here with how games are being affected. And Dr. Rob, one of my favorite guys, because not only was he a player, but he's pretty dang smart. He said, definitely. Yes. But as someone who played at all levels, or if I'm a coach, and I look back at this particular team and think we're two turnovers or some better officiating away from being seven and two, then my response is we need to get better as a team. Mm-hmm. Now, I included that not just because I got into a fairly hotly contested debate with another Husker fan about the fact that, you know, the officials lost us this game and no, they didn't. We lost us this game. We shouldn't leave it into the hands of the officials. That's kind of the reason why I posted this one, because in general, 
you don't you can't talk to a former player from back in the day when they were winning as much as they were winning at the level that the Huskers had been used to for many many years that wouldn't say the same thing. Hey, you want to take the refs out of the control of uh, affecting the outcome? Play better. Play to the point where you're winning by two or three touchdowns and a couple of bad calls aren't going to hurt you. So that's why I posted this tweet. Uh, wasn't that I was telling somebody they were wrong. I was just basically saying, no, the team determined their own outcome. The refs didn't help, but the team certainly didn't help themselves at all by placing themselves in a situation where they have to make a last-minute drive with 43 seconds left to go and depending on refs to get it right. So The only time where I can definitively say refs would lose us a game is if we're winning a game and the other team is driving down the field and it's just call after call after call, sure. bad call, bad call, bad call that just lets them go down the field. A, a BS holding call, you know, like sure. just stuff that just sends them down the field and they're able to score and win in the last second of the game or whatever. That's when it's like, okay, we are winning the game and the refs are giving them chippy calls and literally giving them free yards on the field. That's really the only time I can definitively say that the refs can lose you a game Um, because if you do everything right and they still give you bad calls and gives the other team the opportunity to go down and score. I mean, if they get far enough to where they can kick a game winning field goal, I mean, it's like, yeah, you can say, well, we should block Mm -hmm. it or, well, there was this one rush that we should have. It's like, yeah, but that's, that's really the only time I can, I can say that it makes sense that the refs lose us a game. But all the times that we have gone down the field, like Michigan 2021, it's like, can we blame the refs for that? I mean, sort of. But do you really think that we were going to clutch that? If not that play, what's what's the next play we're going to fumble, literally? You know, like, we're not good at being from behind. We've only won one game. In the last, whatever it is, it's been five years, we've only won one game where we are trailing in the final two minutes of the game. Yeah. And we've been in dozens upon dozens of those games. And so it's like, you can't blame the refs. We got to fix that shit first. Yes, you can look at the refs and go, yeah, they kind of hindered our ability to do that, but not every time. We definitely shoot ourselves in the foot more often than than the refs shoot us in the foot. But... I think I've just I think I've just grown up a little bit, maybe, and I just like yeah, can't. It's, uh, it's not worth getting upset about. Yeah, the refs like are the that. refs, and they suck, and they up. sucked all weekend. Yep, the, the BS with the bedlam, the battle in bedlam. Yep, such bad, a bad call, had a bad, bad call, call at the end for sure. Yep, it's just egregious. Yep. It's been egregious this so, year. In support of what Doctor Rob said to that particular person, he put out his grades for the team. Unfortunately, I did not get these out of the way, so I am going to switch the viewpoint. There we go. Oops, um, screwed it up. There yeah, we go. Well. <laughs> Running game, D+. And I did text him or, or tweeted him, let him know that I was using his graphic. I don't think he'll mind since he put it out there publicly. Anyway, passing game was a D-. Uh, offensive line, I, I didn't think F- existed. I thought F is an F. Is I don't an know F- where F- he gets F- minus from. It's like it's like Heinrich was the one running into everybody. Yeah, he had pockets all game. I was sitting there watching it. Like I said earlier, I was paying very close attention because I was starting to figure out. Wait a second, 
There was one play where I saw Heinrich go, ah, and he like gets out of a clean pocket. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then I started quarterback plays is generally not in response to the, to the offensive line nearly as much as it's just out of the quarterback plays. And I, I, I can understand why he said F minus 12 tackles for loss, seven sacks tends to get your offensive line a bad grade. So uh, C plus on defense, C minus on special teams. Surprisingly, C minus was a little high for me. I'd have given them maybe a D plus at best. Uh, overall, was a D. So that's his scorecard, um, or report card, or whatever. So, and then to close it out with some levity, because damn it, we need some. Jeffrey like the Greek says the Big Ten West is essentially seven dudes in prison, but somehow a keg got smuggled past the guards. <laughs> Just a bunch Which of I think idiots. says it about as well as you can say it. And yes, uh, yeah, that pretty much just about wraps everything up. I think I've got one more tweet. Yes, or not tweet, but uh, one more slide. And that is to announce our next live stream, which will be next Sunday, November 12th, 2023, 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Watch it right here on YouTube. You can also watch it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at GenRedPod. Twitter will not allow you to interact live. So in order to interact with us live, make sure you're watching on our Facebook page or right here on YouTube. And then, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. We hope we'll be covering a win. Otherwise, this could end up being a really ugly end of the season because November is when it matters. And this is the one I think Nebraska really needs to get to have the best shot at bowl eligibility. So anyway, I think that's it. Scott, how about where can folks find you? Out there on the webs. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Jen Red Pod, the Scott with two T's. Second T is silent. Um, just give me a follow there. I've been a little bit more active as of lately. So interact with me. Take my crazy takes and argue with them or don't. Retweet them. I don't care. Um, yeah, follow me on uh, Twitter or X as they call it these days. I will never mm-hmm. actually formally call it that. It will forever remain Twitter in my mind. Yep, me too. Like meta. It's like meta. Do you I'm not calling Facebook Facebook. meta. Yeah, I'm not yeah. Facebook. Anyway. Yeah, Facebook is not part of a greater narrative, damn it. It's just Facebook. Um so there you go. Yeah, you can follow him, like I said, at Scott Genred Pod. You can follow me at Genred Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, as I said before. You can follow the show on your favorite podcast app and listen to and download all the episodes by just searching for Generation Red in your favorite app. Subscribe. You'll get all the content. GenRedPod.com is where you find everything associated with the show, including links to all of our social media and the ability to subscribe via your favorite podcast app. GenRedPod at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, concerns, or suggestions for the show, or if you want to email us, to ask to be on the show. We'd love to have any other Husker fans or fans of other teams in the Big Ten that we will be playing. We'd love to have you on to discuss your team's prospects against the Huskers. That would be awesome. Um, And no one has taken us up on that yet, Scott. I've checked the email lately, believe it or not, and no one has requested to come on the show. I'm not sure if I'm hurt or I'm relieved, but either way, I feel some way about it. Um, (laughs) Anyway... For Scott and myself, uh, together we're Generation Red, uh, your favorite father-son Husker fan podcast show, and we are here to chronicle the Huskers' hopefully eventual return to greatness, just one podcast at a time, because there's no place like Nebraska. 
And Iowa's corn sucks like a completely well-done steak that's drenched in A1 sauce. If that's how you eat your steak, you're a cancer to society. Um, and you should probably just go to chicken breast or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I got you. I get, you know what? When I was a kid, I used to like A1 steak sauce until I grew up and I understood that that was kitty ketchup uh, that just had a little extra spicy to it. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, we made. I some. still like my Worcestershire, though. I'm, I won't put oh, it on my steak anymore. I do too. Like, but it, every once in a while, it's just like, I just really like a good Worcestershire. Mm -hmm. But it has to be like the worst steak, like a we really, some, really bad uh, steak. We had gotten a quarter of beef a couple months, about a month ago. Yeah. We picked up in Orleans, Nebraska. That was a long trip for a quarter of beef. Uh, but we finally, we pulled out a package of T-bones yesterday and uh, cooked those up on the griddle last night with some smokehouse seasoning and just a little salt and pepper. And holy God, they were so good. So yeah, good. There's something about good. freshly slaughtered beef that's just the poop. That is a mass manufactured. It's, it's yep. better. Yeah. I, I, Kelsey yep. and I have been talking about come next year, if we can, uh, if we can budget for it to get our meats in bulk. Um, well, let yeah. us know. God yeah, knows let me know. Looking, out, looking for one too. So, you know, we could always go in on a half. Each of us get a quarter. That'd be save even more. Be, yep. Sweet. So, yeah. No, we that would be great. Yep. All right, All man. Right. Hey, thanks everybody for watching. Thanks for everybody who's downloaded this podcast on Monday morning, which that's when it should be available. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends about us. Share, like, subscribe all the things that we need you to do to help more audience find our show. And until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Beat them damn turtles, will you? <laughs>